Hello and welcome to another moment with Eric Fleming. I'm your host, Eric Fleming. And uh, I want to address something that was said last night. So um, as I'm recording this, this is the night, the day after President Biden um, gave his presidential address to the United States Congress, which in itself was historic, not just because of who was sitting behind him, um, because for the first time we had the president address Madam Vice President and Madam Speaker, uh, which was a moment, and he took the time to acknowledge that. Um, But and not for the visual aspect of it. But it was historic because he waited to give this. Now, circumstances dictated that. We had an insurrection. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, So it made sense to wait till basically 99 days into his presidency um, to kind of give a progress report as opposed to just stating a vision, which is what most presidents do. Uh, It's like a second inauguration speech, if you will. Um, But it's more targeted toward what that president wants Congress to do, as opposed to an overarching vision of the four years that is given at the inauguration. So, Of course, after any president, the opposition party offers a rebuttal. This is what was said in the rebuttal. When America comes together, we've made tremendous progress. The powerful forces want to pull us apart. A hundred years ago, kids in classrooms were taught the color of their skin was their most important characteristic. And if they looked a certain way, they were inferior. Today, kids again are being taught that the color of their skin defines them. And if they look a certain way, they're an oppressor. From colleges to corporations to our culture, people are making money and gaining power by pretending we haven't made any progress at all by doubling down on the divisions we've worked so hard to heal. You know this stuff is wrong. Hear me clearly. America is not a racist country. It's backwards to fight discrimination with different types of discrimination. And it's wrong to try to use our painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. So that was uttered by a gentleman named Tim Scott. Tim Scott has a distinction of being the only black Republican senator in the United States Senate. He represents the state of South Carolina. Previous to that, he served in the House of Representatives uh, representing South Carolina. He has been instrumental in getting the Confederate flag taken down completely in the state of South Carolina. Uh, He was a voice of healing 
along with President Obama during the time when Mother Emanuel lost his pastor and eight of his members through a hate crime. And recently, he has been lauded as continuing his work on criminal justice reform, even though he had some, he made some efforts in the last session uh, when the Republicans in the majority and according to him, the Democrats filibustered it, but he's continuing his work on criminal justice reform, more specifically police reform. Um, as there was a criminal justice reform package that was passed during the Trump administration, which is one of the things we have highlighted not only on this show, but other people have acknowledged that that was huge. And even though it wasn't initially a Republican idea, the fact that they got behind it, it was a Congresswoman Adams, I believe, who pushed it through, uh, or at least sponsored it. Uh, was an achievement that the Trump administration, administration can pat on the back and actually say to the African-American community, we did that, right? And prior to COVID, unemployment was at record lows for everybody. And you could pat yourself on the back on that. But as pointed out before in my blogs and on previous podcasts, that was residual effect of what the previous administration, the Obama administration had done. And Trump, to his credit, was not messing that up, right? And Representative Scott talked, I mean, Senator Scott, excuse me, talked about, he alluded to the the tax reform bill, which in one sense gave everybody bigger deductions. Everybody that's working in America has benefited in some way from those bigger deductions, especially married couples, right? It didn't increase the income tax credit, which President Biden wants to do with uh, his current legislation um, in the Families Act, as well as what he's done for COVID relief. But that same tax plan was also the one that kind of targeted states that had high property taxes like New York and California who didn't necessarily support President Trump when he ran either time. Uh, and, but that was the only real hit that the rich took on that one. Because at a certain point you couldn't write off taxes. There was a cap on how much you could write off. It didn't used to be a cap. And now there is, right? Outside of that, though, the the reward for taking that hit, those same rich people in New York and California also got like a reduction in the taxes that they owe. So anyway, I threw all those points out to kind of kind of encapsulate what Senator Scott was doing in the rebuttal and trying to challenge President Biden and this aggressive agenda that he is really, really pushing. This is 
This is at the scale of the Great Society of Lyndon Bain Johnson and the New Deal by Franklin Delano Roosevelt on steroids. Combined. Because the, the, the Biden administration is looking at this two-year window before what they fear will happen is that they lose control of the Senate that they've only got by virtue of the tie right now. And they got scared. Democrats got scared because they saw a drop in it, even though you got control of the Senate and you gained the White House, you saw a drop in the majority in the House seats. And this is a reapportionment year. Right. So 2022, we're going to see some new congressional districts. Some states are going to lose. Some states are going to win. And so Biden is pushing his agenda and Scott's job was to rebut that. He was supposed to give the Republican response to why going forward like this, like they're offering $600 billion infrastructure plan as opposed to president's $2.1 trillion plan. And whereas Republicans are saying that this is a meat and potatoes, traditional infrastructure bill that they're proposing, the Biden administration is saying we are in the 21st century now. So just dealing with 20th century infrastructure is a disservice to this nation. And we need to broaden our minds and get ahead of the curve. And the focus should be about jobs. Somebody said that the president said jobs 43 times during his hour long speech and that he wants us to be focused on not just building ourselves better just for us to have a better life, but to regain our status in the world as being a leader and to prove, and he quite frankly said this, President Biden said this, that to prove the autocrats wrong, that democracy in America works. Not only does it work for us, but it's going to propel us back to being the leader of the world, the country that everybody wants to emulate, the shining city on the hill kind of thing going, right? So that was where Biden was coming from and Scott's job was to rebut that. But in that rebuttal, other than some of the policy stuff he threw out there, he said that passage that I read. And of course, the most striking thing for any black person to say, let alone for a black person to hear in any kind of speech like that is that America is not a racist country. 
even to the point where he said that it was wrong to use the painful past to dishonestly shut down debates in the present. I don't know. I don't know what kind of debates are being shut down. I had a podcast where I talked about the previous president coming up with the 1776 project to counter the 1619 project, which was basically expanding our knowledge of America's original sin and the conditions and all that. And so to counter that, the president at that time, Trump and and other conservatives wanted to say, well, you know, but yeah, that was going on. But but what about Paul Revere? And what about expanding on Thomas Jefferson and, and not the slave part, but the declaration part? Now, I mean, we got all that because in our history, the way we were taught history, we got all the stuff about Thomas Jefferson and Paul Revere. And I mean, a lot of us know information about Paul Revere. We probably don't really cared at all. Like he was a silversmith and, you know, he was like one of the most successful businessmen in his era. And, you know, nobody cares. You know, other than the fact that he goes down a legend of warning of the incoming British invasion, which led to the standoff in Lexington, right? Nonetheless, we get that. We've been inundated with that history. We know about Thomas Jefferson being the author of Declaration of Independence and the founder of University of Virginia and his his great intellect and the vast library that he donated to start the Library of Congress. We know about that kind of stuff, right? We know about John Adams being the second president and one of the founders of the nation and being the lawyer for... Uh, uh, Sinke and, and the other slaves in the Amistad, all, all that kind of stuff. We know that. Please don't let's talk about George Washington. We, we know all that stuff. We didn't know or what we need more understanding of because during that time of slavery, Black people were not allowed to read or write. Therefore, recording things, documenting things about the slaves' experience during that period of time was always hard to come by. And through research and oral store traditions and all these other things, we've managed to piece together something. And based on the work of the Smithsonian to create an African American museum, right? the National African-American Museum, which Congress paid for, right? You get, you've got this access information that led to the 1619 Project, which the author won a Pulitzer Prize for. So we, we've dealt with all that. So if anybody, I bring that point out because if anybody is trying to shut down debate about racism in America, it ain't 
the victims of it. It's not the descendants of the victims of it. If anything, those individuals are trying to enlighten the rest of society about what happened and why we don't need to go back to that. We, we're trying not to go back 50 years, let alone 200, 400 years, right? And so I think it's rather disingenuous to make it seem as though that efforts like the 1619 Project, efforts like by Henry Gates on his PBS documentaries are attempts to shut down debate, right? Now, maybe if you're a Fox News talking head and you try to out-talk a Black Lives Matter person, it's probably not a good idea. Um, but it all depends on where the environment is. If it's a neutral environment, good luck. If it's the audience is skewed toward Black Lives Matter, not going to happen. If the audience is skewed toward you, you probably get away with it. But shouting matches are not debates. They're shouting matches. And again, I think it's really, really disingenuous to say to every American person, even though you were targeting a base of people, you said it out loud to every American that had that TV on that one, people that are against racism or people who have been victimized by racism are trying to talk down other people. of goodwill, right? If anything, they're trying to build allies, not talk them down. And then number two, that we have created this reverse racism. See, it, it, he didn't say it out loud, but that's exactly what he's implying. When he says that at one point, the content, the color of your skin was your most important characteristic. And if you were not of the right color, you were inferior. And then to flip it around and say that the color of your skin is now, is still your most important characteristic, but if you're a certain color, you're considered an oppressor. That's, that's about as extreme as you can get, right? In having an intelligent discussion about race. It, it's, it's, it's always a hard topic, but it makes it harder when the initial dialogue to try to generate a discussion is based wholly on being disingenuous. And three, the most disingenuous statement, America is not a racist country. It is. It is a racist country. 
And it can be fixed, though. It's not like it's a racist country set in stone forever. Because as he pointed out, changes have happened, right? The fact that he is a state, a U.S. senator from the state of South Carolina, not Vermont, not California, South Carolina. And in our lifetimes, we have seen not only a senator from South Carolina, but a senator from Georgia who's African-American. We have seen a secretary of agriculture from Mississippi who is African-American. So we've seen these things happen, right? We seriously had a black man be a Democratic nominee for these particular states, North Carolina, South Carolina, twice, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi. In this century, Mississippi has had two. Just like South Carolina. But only Georgia and South Carolina have elected an African-American, right? But we've seen this happen. So we know about the change that Senator Scott is talking about. Most of us have kind of lived through it and, and contributed to it in one way or the other. That's not in question. What is question is when you make a blanket statement that's really, really disingenuous and say America is not a racist country. That's wrong. And what I'm going to do on the other side is basically explain a nuanced difference, basically what he should have said instead of what he did say. Catch you on the other side. And so we're back. So this is why Senator Scott was wrong. America is a racist country. America has been a racist country since its inception. They may not have deemed it as racist, but it was. All throughout the history of the United States, even as recent as the 20th century, there has always been this philosophy. At one point it was widespread, then it got whittled down to a few people, but those few people had influence. And it is still a thought in the American psyche that based on the level of melanin and other genetic traits that identify people as Africans in America or African-Americans or black people, 
that that has some kind of impact on our intelligence, that it makes it somewhat inferior, right? So imagine you growing up, and even though your parents didn't, you know, reinforce that negative stereotype, they actually countered it, but you heard it. And then you, you pick up a biology book and they talk about dominant and recessive genes. And you find out as a black kid that the genes that you have, the color of your hair, the color of your eyes, the amount of melanin you have in your skin is considered biologically dominant because somehow those features allow you to survive. And those features like blonde hair and blue eyes and lack of melanin were recessive genes, right? But the resiliency of human beings is that even with recessive genes, those people have been able to not only survive, but multiply and thrive. And even to a point where they're the dominant culture or the dominant human species in the areas where they live, whether it's defined by a nation state or a continent or both. So the biological just, just by stating that fact, the biological argument is fraught with misinformation. It's disingenuous to say that somebody that is dark skin, has kinky hair, big nose, brown eyes, that they're stupid is the most insane racist thing that you could utter out. And yet, most of our policies in the United States of America that shaped the formation of this nation were based off of that very, very principle, even to the point where we weren't even considered human all the way. When Thomas Jefferson wrote, all men were created equal, he was in a society where we weren't considered men. We were considered three-fifths of a human being for the sake of reapportionment. We were insured by companies like Mass Mutual and others as property. So the very construct of America, as much as I love it, right? And that's a whole nother nuance, right? But And, and we've talked about it. But the very construct of America was based on the fact that Black people were inferior. We weren't even considered human. And so every institution from that point forward worked off of that premise. And policies that have been determined worked off of that premise. Policies that changed that happened in a magical time period that I always like to refer to as Reconstruction. And even though we weren't considered 
men legally or women legally? There was this fear that if we were educated, as inferior as we were, if we were educated, we would be a problem. We would demand our freedom. We could not be enslaved anymore. And so they outlawed reading, writing. Even some states, the very state that Senator Scott comes from, outlawed you going to church because of the original Mother Emanuel Church. <sighs> Denmark Vesey, right? So, and, and, you know, I mean, you had Prosser, you had Nat Turner, who, by the way, was a preacher. Um, but yeah, it, it's all been about keeping us from attaining anything close to what white male property owners had. And you can get into the argument about it being sexist, which really is not that far off because it was, and it still is, right? Women can say that America is a sexist nation. And if Tim Scott got up there and said, or uh, what's that girl's name? Candace Owens. So let's have Candace Owens give the Republican response. And we're dealing with gender issues as opposed to race relations, right? If the police were beating up women, no women could be on the police force or police women were treating other women just as bad, right? So the issue was police beating up women. And then Candace Owens gets up there with the Republican response and says, that America is not a sexist nation. She would be wrong too, because it is. But I'll let somebody else delve into that one, or I might delve into that later, because that wasn't said last night. What was said last night was America is not a racist nation, which is wrong. America has been and continues to be based on how institutions are set up. It's a racist nation. It is not an equal playing field for people of color to achieve. Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, Black Americans have done everything possible to get around all those inequalities. But they've all been impacted. All those people of color. And let's not forget the people who were here first, the Native Americans. Right? America is a racist nation because we still refer to natives as Indians 
even though that was Christopher Columbus's mistake, that he thought he was in India. And that's why we don't say West Indies anymore. We say Caribbean countries, right? And the Bureau of Indian Affairs falls under the Department of Interior, which basically is America's department dealing with what property? So yeah, I'm repeating this point. Now that we have a Native American over that department, how about moving the Bureau of Indian Affairs, renaming it first, to the Bureau of the Division of Native American Nations and moving that to the State Department instead of staying with the Department of Interior because Native Americans are not property either, right? So America is guilty of being a racist nation on many fronts. The, the way suburbs were created, the way black folks were, were redlined into what we call ghettos, FICA scores, LSAT tests, anything that was created to minimize African-Americans and other people of color of taking advantage of opportunities. This is a country that had to go to the highest court in the land so that black people could go to a Woolworths and eat at a lunch counter or get on a Greyhound bus and sit anywhere instead of just in the back. We had to go to court for that. Let alone demonstrations and pickets and we had to go to court for that. It wasn't inherently given. Constitution hasn't even really been amended for that. But the court decisions say the Constitution is worded in such a way where that's illegal. So, for Tim Scott to say that America is not a racist nation is an inaccurate statement. But Joe Biden said something in his speech. He said, America is not a nation. It's an idea. Right? So, what Tim Scott should have said was that America is not a racist idea. When you talk about a nation in which people choose their elected officials and those elected officials transfer power peacefully, where citizens can respond to issues, if they feel their leaders are not doing enough, they can take up referendums and those leaders have to adhere to it. That you don't have to be a lawyer to be a member of the Supreme Court. Just a citizen. Right? That you have this process 
where you have elections and, and votes and civic engagement without a civil war every year, as opposed to maybe that four-year period between 1861 and 1865. Now, we've had skirmishes and all that stuff because as a nation, America has been the United States of America has been very racist. But the concept of a nation that, when it declared its independence, stated that all men are created equal. And that all men that are created equal are endowed with certain liberties. Certain, well, not certain liberties. We're endowed with life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? Certain rights. And when you say endowed, that's that's inferring that that was God's intent. That men should be free to live the life they want to live. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And all men are equal in that endowment. That's America. That's the concept, right? That's what Dr. King talked about, the creed. When you talk about the preamble of the Constitution, that we're supposed to protect individual liberty and the general welfare of a nation, right? And provide for its defense. That's America, the idea. That is the goal we seek each and every battle, each and every day that we fight. That's what we're striving for, to attain that. Just like a Christian tries to attain perfection or to try to rid their life of all sin possible, which they can't do in this life, right? At least that's what we're talking. But that's the goal of people in this country that believe in the ideal that all men, all women, all children are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of a happiness. Abraham Lincoln talked about it at Gettysburg. Dr. King talked about it at the Lincoln Memorial in DC. And that's what Joe Biden is trying to convey through this administration. Because that's the challenge and the charge he's been given. It was no fair than Abraham Lincoln's charge in trying to keep a nation from fighting a war and then having to guide government through that war. 
Joe Biden is dealing with a country that's racially divided, physically hurt because of a pandemic, and mentally weak, let alone financially weak. He's inherited that country. And he's trying to do his best in his mind because he represents government. And it's the same approach Franklin Roosevelt took. It's the same approach that Lyndon Baines Johnson took. Ironically, all three of them were Democrats. Ironically, all three of them were considered centrist or conservative Democrats, but they're pushing a liberal progressive agenda, a radical agenda, if you will, because of the times that they're in. I mean, Lincoln had to project a radical agenda for a Republican. So much so that that's what they ended up being called, the radical Republicans during Reconstruction. Because having Black people who in the original document that started the country was considered three-fifths of a person to have those same three-fifths not only be free, but now allowed to vote and allowed to serve in office and create public policy. That's right. That was radical. So for Tim Scott to say, America's not a racist nation, it's not true. But if you take it, the word America, the take it out and say, okay, no, America is not a racist nation. America is a positive ideal, right? A positive idea, a goal for us to attain. Okay, but he didn't say that. He was trying to play the game that America is not that bad. We got a few bad apples and If that was really the case, then the party that Mr. Scott is a member of wouldn't be entertaining any of those racist people. They would not even allow them in the building. It would be a battle between liberal ideas and conservative ideas. Racism would have no discussion in the process. You wouldn't appeal to them. You wouldn't be throwing out dog whistles to them, right? Just so you can get numbers. Don't need that. So Senator Scott, in all due respect, America, the United States of America is a racist nation. Historically, it's been that way. And until we get a handle on issues such as police officers, shooting unarmed black people. (sighs) Being stopped, driving while black, as Senator Scott attested that is happening to him. Being followed while black in a grocery store or or a retail establishment. How about those young men who just were told to just get out of the Starbucks because they were just sitting there, which is what everybody does in Starbucks. They just sit there and drink coffee and do their, well, and their laptop or their phone, whatever. But everybody sits there at Starbucks. But these two black guys could not. 
We're still in that America. We're still in that nation. That hasn't gone away. And we can't sugarcoat our way out of it. We can't lie our way out of it. We can't be disingenuous and wish it wasn't existing. It's here. And as painful as it is for people to deal with, the reason why it's painful is because you're not dealing with it. At some point, you've got to really, really make an effort to heal. And that means you're going to have to go in deep. And you're going to have to deal with the structures of institutions, whether it's education, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's finance, law, um, politics, everything. You have to look at it deep. I mean, real estate, everything. And figure out how we can end that. People get defensive. And when I say people, I mean white people. Because I remember when we had all those, it was like a big movement to do the reconciliation things. And, you know, we tried everything from like having little book clubs to you know, public venting sessions, uh, you know, just kind of su support group. I mean, we tried a lot of different things, but when, when Senator Scott talks about folks trying to shut down conversations, my experience was always that white conservatives wanted to shut the conversation down because they felt that they were being hit with a stigma that didn't apply to them. Because, quote unquote, they weren't the ones that set the Jim Crow policies. They weren't the ones that set, that created slavery. Their generation didn't do that. So why should we have to atone or reconcile for that? And when we say, because you've benefited from all that. And now this term white privilege is out there. Oh, now that's a big pushback. And that was what Senator Scott was pushing back on. He was pushing back on that. That white privilege thing, this, that cancel culture. Being woke, all these things that are great sound bites for Fox news and OAN and, all these other outlets, Newsmax, that want to cater to a certain group of people. But if America wants to go forward, you got to stop that. There's no cancel culture. There is tolerance for things because there are things that conservatives, Republicans, whoever you want to call yourselves, don't like. It was like commercials that would run or certain TV shows, and it was like this lady would like call in, and next thing you know, those TV shows didn't uh, didn't have those sponsors anymore. That was cancel culture, right? 
People forgot about that. People forgot about that woman that would not like a show and she would call up all these companies and those companies wouldn't advertise on that show anymore. People forgot about that. She she kind of made a living for like a couple of years off of that. She was interviewed on every talk show everywhere. News talk show. But people conveniently forget things, which is why America is still a racist nation. But the concept of America is not racist. The concept of America is what we are striving to get to. And we are a still, even though we have moved closer to it by the fact that we see a young man named Tim Scott, who came out of poverty in the deep South to become a United States Senator. And his counterpart came out of deep poverty in the state of Georgia to become a United States Senator. We've seen those evidences of change. And even though politically they don't get along, Barack Obama did a lot for them. I'm Tim Scott anyway. I think Warnock and Obama are cool. It's, but Tim Scott and Obama don't get along. But my God, what a moment. <laughs> you could have a black man as president of the United States and a black man in the United States Senate from South Carolina. So yeah, we've made progress. But we're a long way from America the ideal. America is not a racist idea, but the United States of America is a racist nation. And this is part of the atonement. And this is a challenge for us to stop being the racist nation and start living up to America the idea. Until next time.